Hey, this is Quentin Moore, and I'm the pastor of the Father's House, and this is our podcast. Thanks for joining us today. I hope the message inspires you, gives you faith, and lets you see that God is truly moving in your life. We hope you enjoy today's message. Can I be uh, pretty transparent with you guys this morning, specifically right now, but it'll happen throughout the service. I cried a lot first service, so um, if you got a problem with that, get over it. I, f- I genuinely believe that real men cry, Amen. and um, if you're too big to show emotion, um, I'll pray for you after service. I've not preached on Sunday mornings an awful lot. Every year, obviously, you get a little bit more, which is great. I'm very, very grateful um, to Quentin and Annie to be able to do what I do. Um, Many years ago, there's not a lot of people that would believe that that I do what I do today. Um, So I'm I'm very grateful for being able to, to, to be able to stand up here and talk about a God who changed my life and continues to change my life and will always continue to change my life. And I believe that that same God wants to change your life. And if it, and, and not just one time, but a consistent day in and day out basis. So we're going to talk about that this morning. <clears throat> in 2014-2015, I preached the first sermon on a Sunday morning. And it was the first Sunday of Advent. Now, everybody in first service couldn't tell me what that Sunday was. Can anybody in here tell me what the first Sunday of Advent is? Thank you. Thank you. I told first service, like, y'all are... They tell us on the way out. The first Sunday of Advent is on hope. I was scared out of my gourd. Literally, y'all, I, well, y'all can be intimidating at times. <laughs> the teenagers are different because teenagers just tell you when you're not good. And I got a lot of appreciation for that. <laughs> Cameron just, we get done with Wednesday. In fact, he did it not too long ago. We got done with Wednesday. He said, I didn't get anything out of that. <laughs> <clears throat> Thanks, Cam. Go to your room, Cam. You guys come up to me and say, man, that's such a good word. And then as you leave, like roll your eyes, like just trying to help him out. (laughs) And to be honest with you, listen, we have really great senior pastors in this church in Quentin and Annie. And to to follow in the footsteps of Quentin after a Sunday, it's like, what do I have to, to offer? There's a sermon in there somewhere. But um, I, was, I was really struggling, really worried, really concerned. I wanted to be perfect. I wanted to say things, you know, let, let's, let's just be real for a second. My ego was in the sermon a little too much because I wanted you to like me. But at the same time, I was, I was really trying to hear from the Holy Spirit. I knew I had to preach on hope. I was really trying... And I, um, there was a, a pastor here in town. He's not in town any longer. Um, his name's Lee Keel. He's a great guy. I'll never forget talking to him that week. And he said, um, I, I was talking to him about my concerns, my worries. And he said, Sean, God will always honor your preparation. 
That's something that I live by today. That's just not, that's not just Pastor Sean. That's all of us. God will honor your preparation. And I have continued to live by that. I told first service, it's hard sometimes to make sure that all of you is out of the sermon. I, how many of you guys remember speech class? You guys remember speech class? Yeah. In, in Bueller, when I was in high school, speech class was a sophomore level class. You know what grade I took it in? I was a senior. You want to know why? Because I really don't like doing this. I didn't. It's hard. Y'all scare me. But I felt like God would honor that preparation. And one of the things that, that I have always felt in preparing for a Sunday is God will honor that preparation. And so this week I prepared. I've written two and a half sermons for this week. Thursday I got done with the, my sermon. And I really think it was a good sermon. But you're not going to get to hear that sermon today. I got done with it. That's, that's kind of what I like to do. I'm not a man of many routines, but the routines I do have, I want to stick to them. I like them. It makes sense to me. And when I pre- prepare for a Sunday, I got a rhythm that I like to stay in. What I realized is maybe that stifles the Holy Spirit a little too much. But Thursday I finished my sermon, and I liked it. It was good, Mark. Maybe one day you'll hear it. I woke up Friday morning, and I knew I wasn't supposed to preach that sermon. But I didn't listen, because I prepared, and God will honor my preparation. About mid-morning, Heather and I were in a conversation, a handful of different things, and uh, one of the statements, she just made a statement. It wasn't about anything. I knew I wasn't supposed to preach that sermon. <clears throat> but I didn't listen, because God will honor my preparation. And I believe that. I believe if I preach that sermon this morning, God will honor that preparation. But I knew I wasn't supposed to preach a sermon. And I don't like that. I don't deal well with that. I want to have this done so I can prepare, so I can continue to read over my sermon so I sound smart to you. Yeah. That's not completely true, but I want to come into a Sunday morning understanding that if I have prepared and the Holy Spirit needs to work, then the Holy Spirit will work and I'll get out of his way. Friday night, I realized I wasn't going to preach this sermon, which is a very scary spot for me to be in because I only have Saturday now to prepare. <clears throat> Yesterday morning was men's breakfast. We announced it last week that it was next week. It was actually yesterday. It's cool. Ken and I had a good time. <laughs> we did. Picked up some sticks and talked about Jesus. Ate some breakfast burritos. So don't show up next Saturday. Um, Anyhow, we talked and talked and talked, and uh, I came back to the church. I can't get anything down. And, and, and in a form that I could preach, I got like 20 pages of notes back there and the entire Bible written out. 
right at noon yesterday, Heather calls me and says, hey, we got these two new puppies, They're great white Pyrenees puppies. They're gorgeous. I love them to death. Well, Hampton was fishing at some point in time in a little pond that we don't have fishing in the, in the front yard. Don't judge him. I completely get it. He's working on his casting. One day, he may make millions doing this. Now he won't. He left a, a, um, a topwater. Um, he's got treble hooks. Heather calls me and says, you got to come home right now. This dog's got a treble hook in his leg and a treble hook in his lip. So I go home. I got all the, all the stuff in the world right now. I have no idea what I'm going to tell you. But I can't. It was the craziest thing I've ever experienced in my life. There was nothing, like, it was as if God himself was not allowing me to type on my computer, which is probably what I needed. 10 o'clock last night, I had nothing. I had everything that I wanted to tell you and nothing written down. Why am I telling you this? I'm going to preach a sermon that probably 99% of you know everything about. You could probably teach it better than I could. But I woke up this morning and I couldn't stop writing. It was as if the Holy Spirit opened the floodgates and said, all right, man, now it's time to go. If you believe in Jesus, you're to be led by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not something that is a part of, and you get to choose whether or not the Holy Spirit, Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you'll spend eternity in heaven. But what you need to understand about that is that God fills you with every bit of him. He doesn't give you part of him. He gives you every bit of him from the beginning. There's a, 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 the Holy Spirit that is, is desiring to, to talk to you. And so this morning, this morning is unpolished. This morning is raw. If, if I ever was polished, this morning would not be this morning, the, the morning that would be polished. But I'm going to preach a message that is as much it, um, to me as it, as it is to you. Um, so if you don't like it, I won't be preaching next Sunday. Pastor Quentin will be back. Um, if, if you do like it, well, what I can tell you is Jesus has talked about a lot today, so it'd be hard to really not like it, yeah? Second Peter, excuse me, First Peter 2.24 says, he bore himself our, he, he himself bore our sin in his body on that tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Look at your neighbor and say, you were healed. You know, the, before I go any further, there's, it's interesting. There's a difference between divine healing and forced healing. Let's see, we have this, this mentality um, in, in our society, in our culture, and, and it's not actually that it's terribly wrong, it's just the opposite of kind of how, how God works, and that is to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps and get through this, right? I'm man enough, I can get through this. I'm man enough, I can get this. I know I need, a, I know I need healing in this area of my life, so I'm going to get healing in this area of my life. Instead of just submitting where I need that healing to God and allowing Him to fill that void. See, forced healing, let me say it this way, divine healing will never be at the expense of another individual. 
Forced healing has potential to hurt. And this is why, because you're not necessarily concerned about what everybody else is thinking in that situation. You're concerned about getting your healing. But the great thing about Jesus is that he has the ability to heal me and you at the same time, if I allow to do it in his way, on his terms, through his spirit. So to be healed is to realize that he died on a cross for me. To be healed is to realize that that he bore my sin on that tree and that all healing was taken care of, all sin was taken care of in that moment. Yeah, I'll leave it at that. This is about relationship. Jesus is about relationship. Jesus is not interested in whether or not you are in some sort of behavior modification thing. Jesus is not interested in your socioeconomic level. Jesus is not interested in any of that. Jesus is interested in you and who it is that you are and what it is that he has a plan and a purpose for your life. All he wants you to do is say, hi. See, here's the funny thing, and this is the, this is the, the, the teenagers, I, I think, actually get this. We think our prayers have to be fancy-dancy, right? We think our prayers have to be full of these big words that we actually don't even understand, or if I don't say it properly, then blah, 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 blah. Sometimes Jesus just wants you to actually wake up and say hi. Hello. Jesus is with you always, Right? He never leaves and never forsakes. That's what the Bible says over and over because Jesus is interested in a relationship, not in you being good. And if Jesus is interested in a relationship and you not being good, then Jesus is interested in you being bad. No, think about it. Think about it. I know that that's contrary to what we preach. But Jesus is with you always. And we're not good always. We do bad things. And people have feelings about these bad things. But Jesus says, no, you have to understand. I have forgiven that. Instantaneously. I'm actually asking you to let go of it so I could take it away from you. Jesus is interested in a relationship with you. A relationship that is a lifetime. Not a relationship that he's invested in when you're invested in. See, Jesus is not, this is not a 50-50 partnership. I am not in a 50-50 partnership with Jesus. I don't, I can't meet Jesus in the middle. Jesus is here with me. Jesus says that I give you a grace that is unmerited, that is unwavering, and it is undeserved. But I do it because I love you. There's nothing you can do to measure up to my love, but I'm not asking you to. If you've ever stepped into, um, and, and, and many of you guys have been married a lot longer than I have, you know, the, the Bible talks about how my spouse is the closest thing to unconditional love, which is comical <laughs> at times, right? <laughs> 
Let's be honest, my wife can't show me unconditional love. But if I keep my eyes open, there are slivers of purity in there. There's these aha moments that it was like she has no idea what she just did, but there is a grace that is deeper than I did not realize. See, this is how, this is how our lives work. If we are led by the Spirit, we're not led by our feelings. If we're not led by our feelings, then our eyes are open to things that may or may not completely be there, but you see them in such a way that you see grace in a different way. Second Corinthians 5.17, the old is gone and the new is here. I love that because it was the first time that this came to life. This is not words on a page if led by the Holy Spirit. If not then it is just words on the page. And it doesn't matter how much you memorize it. It doesn't, that's, that's head knowledge, it's not heart knowledge. And I'm really proud if, if you know, I'm, I'm happy that you know the word, but when the word comes to life, I'll never forget 2 Corinthians 5.17 is one of those scriptures that when I read it, color looked different to me, right? Um, Love, affection, um, grace, joy. It was no longer happiness. You know, to, to be happy is just a byproduct of joy. So far off from my sermon, I, I apologize, but you actually didn't know that, so... <laughs> This is about a relationship. And it's a relationship that I have no idea what you walked in here with. I have no idea. I have no idea what your tomorrow looks like. I don't even know what your afternoon looks like. It's kind of cold. Tacos. Tacos. I do love tacos. Goodness. (laughs) You can't say stuff like that to me because I'm a youth pastor and I can really, it's easy for me to just talk about tacos for the next five minutes. Um. Give me a recipe then, Siri. Whose phone was that? <laughs> I expect the recipe on Messenger. I'll sing that song you want me to sing if you give me the recipe. It's the Holy Spirit, guys. Better eat a taco today. Holy Spirit is in the middle of that. Anchor Grill's got some really great tacos if you need some advice. Jesus. Can we talk about Jesus? Here we go. Remember that youth pastor comment? This is about it's about a relationship. My 10-year-old my 10-year-old is really struggling with this right now. I told first service um, that I, as I was praying this morning and I had written some of this stuff out, you know, my kids, specifically Hampton, 
there are two things pretty much that right now in the season that I'm in, you can guarantee that are going to be in my sermons. And that's more than likely Hampton, but one of my kids in cancer. Sorry. I, I was going to apologize for that. Um, but in the, in the middle of prayer this morning, as I was kind of thinking about that part in the sermon, God actually looked right at me like the, one of the more profound moments in my life and said, you, you don't need to apologize for something I'm not done working with you in. Which in one hand is very scary because part of that was cancer. And if we could just move on with cancer, that would be fantastic. If I don't have to ever talk or have another test or anything like that. That'd be great. I hear you. I did get a clean scan on Monday. Yeah. And like, uh, how far is May from now? However many months that is. If I get another one, which I will, that's three years down. And my survival rate goes through the roof. It's pretty much, yeah, it's pretty much great. That's not why I brought that up. My 10-year-old is struggling when it comes to relationships. I'm really glad he's not in here because he, he, he's to the point now where he actually doesn't want me to talk about him in sermons. <laughs> That's the rest of your life, actually, buddy. Sorry. <laughs> he's struggling with relationships. He struggles with relationships because he hears what we preach and sees how we walk. <clears throat> Have you ever been here when we did a baby dedication? Austin, I got a pick for you. The family comes up. And mom and dad stand right in the middle and hold the baby. And Quentin, Quentin stands in front of that family. And he's looking at the family. He's not looking at you. And he talks specifically to the parents. He says, will you raise this child to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? And he looks at the family. He says, will you help them? Because they're going to need it. When, when we did this with Hampton, I didn't realize how much we were going to need it. And now I have five of them living in my house. I could use all the help I could get, people. He said, will you help them when it's a stressful moment? Will you help them when they're hurting? Will you help them? And all the family says yes. And he asks you guys to stand, and he turns around. He said, this kid is going to grow up in this church. And he's going to walk and watch you guys. He's going to look to you guys to know what it means to be a Christian. He, says, he looks at you and says, will you help him? Will you help her to know who it is that Jesus, who it is that he is, and what he wants to do in your life? And all of us, all of us, yes, yes, Yes. My 10-year-old is trying to figure out what this idea of unconditional love and grace is while fighting over football in 
the playground. This is confusing. I want Jesus to know, or I want Hampton to know Jesus in a manner in which he knows how he works in his life. Not necessarily how everyone is to respond, because that's the difference maker. If I can only be a Christian based off of how you respond, then I've missed the point of the relationship. talking about forgiveness right now in the home. Hampton has hit an age where things, you know, he's 10, 10 and a half. He's getting ready to step into a season of life that's going to be interesting. The attitude apparently has already made it there. Body's just catching up. We've been talking a lot about forgiveness. Matthew 6, 14 says, if you forgive others of their trespasses. We pray it, right? Every Sunday we pray it. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. If you forgive others, your heavenly Father will forgive you. We are called to to go and tell. When we, we step into this relationship with Jesus, we've got this unmerited favor. We see things a little differently. Jesus has started to change our lives. We, he's actually changed our lives completely. We just walk this out day at a time, right? Things look a little different today than what they did yesterday and a little different today than what they did yesterday. And then you hit some controversy. You hit some strife. You hit a, a hard spot, and God actually gets you through that. And you're like, holy cow, this was completely different than what I would have handled So Jesus then tells us, go tell people. Go tell people about this. Tell them who it is that I am and what it is that they're doing on the, what I've done on the, we're supposed to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the power of the Holy Spirit that we have the gift to give someone. And one of my very favorite verses is Romans 15, 13, may the God of all hope give you peace and joy. At the end of that scripture, it says that it may be abounding. To abound means to overflow. So when I come in contact with someone, that there's so much of this hope and this peace about me that it splashes off onto other people. So that when we tell people about, like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. There's something different about you. I'm not quite sure what it was. Yeah, let me tell you about a guy named Jesus. He changed my life forever. And he will change yours forever. He's not interested in your wrongdoings. He's not interested in your shortcomings. He's interested in who it is that you are. And, oh, by the way, if you give him just a little bit of your life, he'll show you how much more there is to live. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to give you life and give you life abundantly. And that abundance is more than you could think or imagine. It is actually okay to live a free and light life. Let me show you how to do it. It's great to feel that. Can I tell you what's better? To give it away. If I have been given this grace, it is not mine to keep. And if you are concerned about running out, you have not given God the amount of... (laughs) It doesn't run out. God's grace never runs out. 
we will get to the eternal heaven at some point in time, right? Let, let's break this down real quick. You step into a relationship, you're, ste- you're stepping into eternity, okay? Because you see things, I just, I just preached it, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, you see things a little differently. The old is gone and the new is here. You're living in eternity right now. When you pass from this life and move to what we believe to be heaven, and this, these streets of gold and this, you will understand the depth of grace that none of us here have the ability to get. So stop worrying about whether or not you're going to run out and just give it away. Make it a challenge for yourself to see how much you can give away. Forgiveness, Matthew 6.14. You need to understand that forgiveness, I don't give forgiveness to you. I give forgiveness to you, but I don't do it for you. I'll do it for myself. There is something in forgiveness that heals spots in your life that you could never heal by holding a grudge. So withholding forgiveness is not necessarily hurting the other person that you need to forgive. Withholding forgiveness is only hurting you. This is about relationship. You guys are going to get out of here early. This is about, maybe, this is about relationship. And that relationship changes you, but changes people you come in contact with. There's a, a book in the Bible called Philemon. Has anybody ever read Philemon? It's the best book ever because it's one page. Don't judge me. Have you read Psalms? I don't know that I'm a very complicated or deep man. So when you read the book of Philemon, one of the best things about Philemon is that it's very simple. It's simple to understand. Sometimes I need simplicity to see how Jesus works, right? And the book of Philemon is a perfect example of who Christ is in, uh, in our lives and what he does for us. Philemon is about a, a, a slave owner. He had a, a slave named Onesimus. Onesimus ran away. And through, at some point in time on Onesimus' journey, he runs into Paul. You could end it right there if you know anything about Paul, because Paul's an amazing individual. Paul's that dude who has the ability to speak to anybody and everybody right where they're at. So whether that's um, in the Corinthian church where he's talking to the spiritual elite and he's trying to get them to understand the importance of the cross, or whether he's talking to the, the church in Ephesus, and you, you know what I mean, he, he has the ability to meet you where you're at, not get you to come over here, which is exactly what Jesus does, by the way. And so Onesimus meets Paul along his journey. And it must have spent time with Paul. And any time spent with Paul means your life was changed. And so 
Paul sends Onesimus back to Philemon and sends him with a letter. And that letter says, hey man, see Philemon and Paul knew each other. Philemon knew that Paul was a man of God. Philemon knew exactly who he was. And you know that when you read uh, the book because Paul looks at or writes to Philemon and said, hey, listen, I'm going to send Onesimus back to you, but he's a changed man. And you know he's a changed man because he spent time with me. And if he spent time with me, then you know he knows who Jesus is. This, this guy, this guy who, who owes you lots, he is a changed man, and I need you to believe me. And oh, by the way, if he owes you anything at all, put it on my tab. If he owes you anything at all, put it on me, you know I'm good for it. This is who Jesus is in our lives. We have been a slave to so many things, and we have run, and we have run, and we have run, and we come in contact with Jesus, and Jesus opens our eyes to who it is that he is, and what it is that he's doing, and the freedom that comes from Jesus and Jesus only. And he says, hey, go ahead and go back. I've taken care of it. You have nothing to be concerned of, ever. Not just now, not, not just in the next couple of months, but you are in relationship with me. It is taken care of. I preached a, well, we have a response to that. I preached a message a couple years back in a, fairly tough season of my life. And it was, um, it was in Matthew 2. It was, um, it's a story of um, the, the guy in the mat being healed. You know what I'm talking about? Where he, they couldn't get in the front door because there were so many people. Jesus was in there. They couldn't get in the front door. And so they ripped the, the roof off and lowered him in. And the man was healed. It was great, right? The message that I preached wasn't about the man who was healed. The message that I preached was about the mat carriers. There was four men. We have no idea how far they traveled. It could have been across the street. It could have been five miles away. I have no idea. It doesn't matter. But they carried his mat because they knew of a man who had the ability to change his life. Exactly. There are people in your life that need to be carried to God. The question is whether or not you're willing to carry their mat. I had more than four mat carriers in that season. I still have more than four mat carriers. I had so many mat carriers. I had actually thought about um, bringing some, some things that I got in that season from those people who were carrying my mat many of which sit in this room still today. Guys, if, if I have a relationship with Jesus and he has done everything that I have talked about for you in that relationship, then whose mat are you carrying? See, if, if the grace that I got isn't mine and I have to give it away, then I have to give it away in many different forms. There are people in our lives today that are hurting. Some of them know Jesus. Some of them have no idea who Jesus is. Regardless, if I am not serving, 
that I'm not sure I understand who Jesus actually is. See, we all know Jesus came to serve, not to be served. There's something about this giving away, this sacrificing, this living in obedience to Jesus, the living in obedience to, to being led by the Holy Spirit so that I, I know that I'm not supposed to preach the message, that I, that I know that maybe I'm supposed to help out here. I know that I have been offended by that individual, but it's time for me to forgive because to, to hear those words may be life-changing. Oh, we have a response to this. John 13, 34, and 35, he says, A new commandment I give to you, to love one another, just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, all people will know you're my disciples. Amen. It's kind of like the, the dagger right there. Oh, to love one another. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I'll do that at some point in time. Well, actually, this is how people know you're a Christian. That's how people know. Right there. I can't think of a better time than now to show this. There isn't a better time in our world and what it is that we're living through. See, Christians are supposed to be people who, who see opportunity and take the opportunity because they know it's life-changing. And right now, whether it is what our government is going through, whether it is what our nation is going through, whether it is what your family is going through, we have the ability to step in and say, I love you. And I love you not because I'm really good at anything, but because I got this guy who I stepped into a relationship with, and he's teaching me some things about forgiveness, and he's teaching me some things about grace, and he's teaching me some things about doing everything I can to be unconditional love, the hands and the feet. And so I'm going to serve you even though you have issue. You've taken issue with me. I hear you. I'm sorry. I forgive you. I hope you can forgive me. I love you. I need to be in a relationship with you. I'm not asking for you not to have an opinion. You can have an opinion on masks. You can have an opinion on our president. You can have an opinion on our government. You can have an opinion on COVID. That's okay. I'm just asking you not to be led by your feelings, but led by the spirit. See, your feelings will get in the way. And I'm not saying your feelings aren't valid. I'm happy that you have feelings. It's great. I got, I got them too. But if led by feelings, that's only going to lead to a roadblock. If led by the Spirit, there's wisdom there. There's discernment there. There's knowledge there. So how do you be led by the Spirit? 
What does it look like to be led by the Spirit? James, or, uh, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and such things there is no law. If I am led by the Holy Spirit, then the fruit that I bear is joy. The people that come in contact with me feel peace. Again, take your flesh out of it. It's not about you. It's about what the Holy Spirit is doing on the inside of you. And that in this moment, in every moment of our lives, we have the ability to actually give patience. Listen, I don't know about you, but as a parent, patience is something I lack. I've got a two-year-old laying on the floor over here. Some point in time, he's going to get up and yell. My patience. I see you, Chandler. There's been some great moments in this sermon. It has nothing to do with me. That's the best. It's about being in relationship. And in that relationship, we realize that we're given a grace that we cannot keep, but we must give away ourselves. And by doing that, we're called to love one another. And by loving one another, people will see that we have been led by the Holy Spirit. And being led by the Holy Spirit changes the climate. Everyone, like when I was growing up, um, do you remember uh, the band DC Talk? Down with the DC talk. Duh, duh. No? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Hey, it's okay, man. We can accept everybody listen to DC talk. What will people say? No? But that was the big deal. Like, what does it look like to be a Jesus freak? Yeah. And we thought that it was jumping up and down and screaming and yelling. And it can be. There's nothing wrong with that. There's a point behind all this. I actually can't remember it anymore. What was I talking about? Y'all talked at the same time. I need one at a time, Karina. Yeah. I don't know. It doesn't matter anymore. Ah, oh, I know what I was going to say. When I was growing up, like this idea of being a world changer was a big deal. Like, I'm going to change the world. Right? And it's really cliche. I see you, Wendell. It's really cliche that it's like, ugh, you're not going to change the world. Until you realize that you have the ability to affect the climate, the world you live in right now, the people you come in contact with right now. And if we have done everything we can to be led by the Holy Spirit, then when you walk into a room, you're walking in with peace. You're walking in with joy. You're walking in with game changers. Not because you're a game changer, but because the Holy Spirit is a game changer. We do have the ability to change the atmosphere that we step into. 
We do not need to be scared, withdraw, and not go into certain places. We need to be understanding of the fact that the Holy Spirit has the ability to move my mouth in ways that I didn't have the ability to move my mouth. Thank God. Everybody has a part to play. Every single one of us. I don't care if you've been a Christian for two seconds. I don't care if you walked in here kind of questioning God and at some point in time said, I could, I could do this. Yeah. God has a place for you. He's got a place for you. And that, that can be right here. I would love it if it was. But in any part of the body of Christ, you have a role to play. You do. You don't have to be an ordained deacon. You don't have to be a pastor. You, right now, where you're at, have a part to play. 1 Corinthians 12, 21 through 26. I won't probably read it all. But Paul does a really great job of explaining that each and every single one of us have a part to play in this. It says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need for you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need for you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. The parts of the body that we view as weak he says, are a must. On those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow greater honor. Verse 25 says that there may be no division in the body. there may be no division in the body as a pastor that's that's a really hard scripture to read it's really hard scripture to read when there's 36,000 different types of churches it's a really hard scripture to read when leave at the drop of the hat. So our response to that is to learn and understand a little bit more about what Jesus is saying here. But that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. I don't say any of this. Um, this is not a monologue for your entertainment. I believe this. I'm not saying I walk it out all the time perfectly. But I believe this. I believe everything 
I believe that we have the ability to step into situations, give forgiveness, because we have been forgiven. That, I, that we can love one another. Even in our differences, we still have the ability to love one another. I believe that we can be led by the Holy Spirit in such a way that we give off things that are contrary to what the world would say. I believe that we have the ability to create an atmosphere of unconditional love where people have the ability to experience Jesus Christ himself right here, right now. And I don't care if you've been a, a, a Christian for two seconds or 20 years, right here, right now, I'm interested in the presence of God. I'm interested in what he wants to say to you. I'm interested in what he wants to do in your life. And I want to do everything I can to show you why you need to be interested in that. This is what we're supposed to look like. To be accepting, to be loving, to do everything we can to meet people where they're at, to give a grace that can only come from a father. Hey, I hope the message truly inspired you today. If it did, do a couple things for me. Subscribe to our show and it'll just drop right into your feed and you can stay current with all that we're doing. The second thing is, is if you've been impacted by this ministry, you can click the link right there in front of you and you can become one of our givers and that'll help us to keep spreading the gospel and the good news around the world. Everyone needs to hear the good news right now, maybe more than any other time. So God bless and I'll see you next time.